Hello friends, thank you for joining us and making us a part of your Lenten experience. Over the course of the next few weeks, we will be examining Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb offered as a sacrifice for our redemption. We invite you to join us this season through our Lenten study journal and in our Wednesday and Sunday gatherings. You can find more information on our website at ccgf.org. Here is the message from this past Wednesday. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Bob Mason. Random thoughts and observations on the book of Isaiah chapter 53 is my uh, message tonight. You cannot say much about Isaiah 53 in 10 minutes. So allow me to be selective and focused. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Every person hearing my voice tonight is faced with a dilemma, a choice. Are you in Christ tonight? Are we in Christ tonight? Are we his children? Are you his child? Are you born again by the Holy Spirit? I pray you are. I pray I am. Everyone will confess with his mouth that Jesus is Lord one day. There's no escaping. Believers and unbelievers will make this confession. Isaiah chapter 53. We must come to grips with a supernatural perspective for tonight. Reality and facts that are unknowable and so very specific and exact as to shock our minds. This has to be the power and enlightening of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah prophesies from 740 B.C. to 686 B.C. 700 years before Jesus. 700 years before Jesus. Reading chapter 53, if you would. His syntax, his grammar is striking and different than might be expected. Isaiah 53 uses the past tense, even though this is 700 years before. It's as if 700 years previous, he is looking backwards, even though he is looking forwards. Some specific examples of this. Let's look at verse 1. Who has believed our message? Past tense. And to whom has the Lord 
pardon me, the arm of the Lord been revealed. Past tense. Verse 3. He was despised and forsaken of men. Verses 5 through 7, you see multiples. He was pierced through. He was crushed. He was oppressed. A backward look at future events. What does that mean? To establish the authenticity of the prophet, he was looking backward, saying, it's a completed fact. Yet, he was writing from a perspective of 700 years future. Who is Isaiah? What did he do? The prophet's writing is referred more than 35 times in the New Testament. He is the most quoted Old Testament writer in the gospel accounts. The most. Isaiah is one of a small group of prophets that was inspired to foretell events. Often amazingly detailed. Most awesome. The prophetic coming Messiah. For example, Isaiah stated that the Messiah would be miraculously born from a virgin. That's Isaiah 7.14. He would be in the lineage of King David. He would be born a king destined to rule God's kingdom. Those are verses 11, 1, uh, pardon me, chapter 11, verse 1, and chapter 9, verse 6. He additionally foretold that the Lord, very interesting, would not be handsome. He'd have no striking features. He'd be rather average looking. He foretold of John the Baptist's ministry that would prepare people for Jesus' coming. He also predicted where Christ would live during his public ministry. Jesus' ministry would would draw Gentiles, not Jews. And he would not only heal those who are brokenhearted, but also preach deliverance to those in need of salvation. In regard to Christ's suffering and death, Isaiah stated he would be rejected by most people. Considered a criminal and ultimately be tortured. He also prophesied Jesus would be willing, willing to offer his sinless life to suffer and die for us. Amen. His sacrifice would make possible not only our physical and spiritual healing, but also our salvation, which is much in chapter 53. Jesus himself quoted Isaiah near the start of his public ministry and stated he was the fulfillment of his words, Isaiah. On at least two occasions, the Lord criticized some religious leaders by stating they fulfilled prophecies written by the prophet during his life. Let's focus on the crucifixion in chapter 53. I want to bring this to your attention historically. Isaiah had no reference for anything in chapter 53 that bore any resemblance to the crucifixion. May I say that again? 
There was nothing in Isaiah's frame of reference as a Jew 700 years before Jesus that anything like crucifixion existed, planned, anything. It was unthinkable. Crucifixion was started, I told this earlier to Craig, by the world's worst, Persians. And that was about 400 B.C. So it was an important method. It was a horrible method. Another thing that the Lord laid on my heart this week as I was studying for tonight. Crucifixion was torture. Nothing more, nothing less that ended up in 100% surety of death. There was no escape. May I say that again? There was no escape. When you were on the cross, you were dying. It's just a question of when. Let's keep the overview and for chapter 53 and keep on the big picture. All we like sheep have gone astray, past tense. Man's problem is opposing God and his plan. The cross is the transaction of a holy God needing a perfect sacrifice only found in Jesus. There's nothing else that will atone, that will make up for, that will pay, that will transact the sin of man. A perfect sacrifice. God's only son. Jesus accepted this. There was no hesitation. There was no reluctance. He walked forward to this. He understood this. It pleased the Father to punish Jesus to death, to make the payment for sin that was necessary for our salvation. Think about that a minute. We've all come in from a busy day, from a busy week, from a busy life. These words are counterintuitive in many ways. We do not think about this. We do not bring this to mind. Do not leave here tonight without understanding. Jesus Christ is the only, only, only way to avoid an eternal hell. And to enter into an eternal heaven. The book of Isaiah had so many interesting applications and illustrations in the New Testament. One of the ones that I have been so struck and stricken with, excuse me, and my marching orders to us all tonight as I conclude, I'm going to read. And I'm going to use archaic language because I think it's cool in a way to hear the old-fashioned way to say things. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, that, was a, that was a deserted place, like a one spot on I-80 in the middle of the night. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. This guy had power. This guy had influence. He was charged with watching the queen's money. Under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for worship. 
while he was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. This was going on. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near, join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran unto him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he should come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth. Jesus, quiet before his assailants and his accusers. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who should declare his generation? For his life is taken from earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? Of himself? Or of some other man? Here's the punchline. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. And preached unto him Jesus. May we all preach unto our friends, our lost friends, our everyone friends, the mighty name of Jesus.